Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the Daily Transcendence Podcast. I'm G.O.D. and I'm Ray, and we're your hosts. Take a journey with us into the realms of some of humanity's most inner thoughts and theories about what lies before us and beyond the other side. Take a step back with us from the day-to-day heavy burdens of this constant evolving life. From awakening the collective, astrology, the spiritual divine, holistic health, shamanism, and quantum theory, to the frequencies and vibrations of our universe, history, religion, numerology, and so much more. We spend countless hours researching to bring you the breakdown of information from some of the greatest minds in these fields and even our own experiences. We're here to challenge your thoughts so that you can reshape your own minds and beliefs into ones that better serve you. We hope you enjoy the discussions about the supernatural and the ancient knowledge that we have become so fond of and we wish to share with you so that it may also help you on your quest in this human experience we're living. Let the transcendence begin. Godspeed and share on. Don't forget to like, follow, and share on our Facebook and Instagram at The Daily Transcendence. Make sure you stay up to date and get notified on new episodes and more content by liking and subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and many more. We want to hear from you all and connect, so message us or email us at thedailytranscendence at gmail.com. As always, we entirely appreciate your support and allowing us to bring to you this transmission. And we're back. Hello. What's going on, Ray? It's been a while. It do it again. I know. We waited. We waited a long time for this. It's all right. We we got we got some things. Got a lot of things. Some things. I mean, even off-topic things. Yes. I had I had a I had a fun few weeks. You know, I do recall back on think like episode three. I said, oh, I had this dream. Or no, it was about the astrology and football. And I said, oh, uh, the Bucks. That's right. Might win the Super Bowl because of this little astrological placement that had happened the last time they won the super bowl mm-hmm. and uh, it's on record so that was cool so that's just put it this way for a whole week i was a football head because i'm a bucks fan yeah. so that's that's part of it uh, so you can be a little upset with me for slacking there we're swinging along with the energy though we got yeah. lives you got lives too you know yeah of course you know, <laughs> it's not all about just the information it's mm-hmm. about it's about living living the dream but we uh we do want to get back on the horse you know, jump mm-hmm. back on the saddle and get things rolling again. So we were studying and trying to come up with the next, you know, season of episodes mm-hmm. that we wanted, the next topic. Yeah. Which speaking of episode three and around those episodes with origins of beliefs and uh, um, and even a lot of the journey of the ages and the biblical stuff, um, something that we want to go into a little bit deeper now, um, and it has bit of a relation as we go through this series on uh, there's an importance to it because of the fact that it gives us an insight as far as our actual origins and our human capabilities that we spoke of in the in the previous episodes um, relating to uh, certain findings within our DNA and our biochemistry uh, that we see that there is this innate intelligence there. So now with this episode in this series, there's more that we're going to touch up as far as the origins and more so an in-depth theory and also um, a big, I think it's somewhat a popular, popular finding 
Um, and it's literally the creation story. It has a lot to do with, um, you know, the initial creation of time and uh, certain certain energies that are portrayed uh, along with celestial things, but also the creation of humanity on Earth and uh, a lot of the ancient findings on that that go older than just your biblical teachings and older than just any sort of uh, Vedic or ancient Egyptian type teachings. It goes further back to that. And what we're talking is about is more of the uh, the Sumerian story and the ancient Sumerians, how they depicted things and the Akkadian religions um, way back when. So uh, this has a lot to do with uh, even the story of the Anunnaki, um, the information that's within the Sumerian tablets on that. Uh, but then also later on in the series, we'll go into even the Emerald tablets, the book of Enoch, uh, and we'll show the correlations of how they all connect kind of with the great flood, um, as well as, um, the book of Enoch and the book of Enoch is going to be an important thing that really ties together all these different ancient, uh, texts and writing to what we now see in the Bible. And like I said, we're going to go into creation and the garden of Eden as well. And even just a very strange, um, phenomenon that happened when it comes to our DNA. But in this one, we're going to go into the origins of humanity of as told by the Sumerian tablet stories um, and the whole story of the Anunnaki. And we're going to explain who the Anunnaki were um, according to these readings, um, as well as other certain researchers and authors on their theory, plus giving our own little insight based off these theories. Right. And what had us uh, really interested in this in the first place was the fact that there were so many uh, parallels, uh, so many things connecting different stories. And we had mentioned that back in in episode three, where, you know, uh, a big part of my journey and getting in more into this was the fact that I've noticed uh, parallels and things that had connected to other cultures around the world in different times and and using my logical side of my brain saying, hey, like this story sounds similar to this other story, mm -hmm. but they're coming from a completely different part of the world and they didn't have Facebook or, you know, emailing back then to say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm writing this story and about this guy or about this civilization or the, this God. And, you know, um, I want you to do a rendition of it for me, mm -hmm. you know, if so, because we want to spread the message. No, this, these, these stories show up all over the world at different times. And because they're so similar is, uh, that, 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 kind of initiates the big mystery about them mm -hmm. and the Sumerian story and the Anunnaki, they have such, uh, you know, grand, uh, you know, uh, they hold much water over the fact that we exist. You know, they possibly are the reason. And a lot of it has to do with DNA and, uh, uh, just uh, the development of us and where we got our, our alphabet and our mathematics and astrology and astronomy. Mm -hmm. It all, it all dates back to right around that time. Yeah. It goes a lot, it goes a lot further than just the times of, you know, what we know from, you know, just ancient Egyptian type writings and everything. This, this goes beyond that. Um, and the thing with this is there's a lot of different ways to interpret, uh, some of the accounts that are tested for in these, 
uh, tablets and writings. Like it, there's so many different interpretations, whether they're celestial bodies or physical beings or demigods or ethereal, or whatever. Um, there's so many different ways to look at it. So going into this, you know, it is good to keep an open mind and also use a creative mind of your own to kind of, you know, mix and match certain information together and think about it outside of the box as well. Um, Cause I know that's been a big thing for us when looking into this uh, as well as actual things that we've already uh, discovered or learned about uh, you start to end up seeing the story in a different light and you see how certain things can relate to um, to different things, but they're similar. Yeah. Like, you know, Parables and allegory is obviously a big part of a lot of, uh, you know, these uh, ancient stories and mythologies and stuff. And it's as simple as when you watch a movie and there's a deeper meaning to it and it's not so surface level. Uh, what What's fascinating about all of this stuff is uh, using the critical thinking part of your brain. Uh, and then, like Gio said, using your imagination, there comes a point where you're reading it and you're like, I can't tell if this is literal or if it's allegorical and symbolic and within all of the stories you could you know because when we're talking about you know the creation story and and us and then we talk about say a an ancient civilization uh not ancient uh, an alien civilization coming onto this planet and creating us uh and then if you use that as a parallel to the story of you know how god created the earth and this and that and adam and eve uh you could take it you, you can make a logical form of that story and make it literal and say, hey, I could see this being alien life forms coming here, creating it, us looking at these life forms as gods, uh, you know, coming from the sky and this and that, having special powers. But it's like at the same time, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the uh, subtleties and, and little nuances of each story can relate to, say, things like parts of the body, uh, parts of the mind, parts of the spirit. So, and that's where it could become allegorical and this is where it is. It's like, you know, you, you, if you're going to enjoy and, and really, um, embrace this knowledge, it's very, very, very important to kind of approach it with an, an open mind and, but like to not take all beliefs out of it. And most of our topics really are like that. I think I've said this a number of times. So is Geo, you know, it's going into this with an open mind because it's, we're here to transcend it. It's not about who's right, wrong, what belief is you know, valid or not, it's about analyzing and discussing and speculating on the topic and figuring out what would be the most logical and sensible way of interpreting it and can potentially be both. Yeah. And using the human mind and, and our our ways of experiencing to develop these certain perspectives that kind of bring in a broader horizon of the what ifs and what could be and what could have been. Um, so, now, getting into the ancient Sumerians, we, if you don't know, the ancient Sumerians are a civilization, well, were a civilization uh, back in, you know, in the location of ancient Sumer, which is now modern day Iraq. southern Iraq. Yeah. yeah. Between the uh, between the banks of the Euphrates, the Euphrates and the Tigris uh, rivers. So. They had a lot of of findings and writings on clay tablets and also papyrus and um, different types of parchment as well and other types of uh, t- 
types of stone. Yeah, cuneiform tablets being yeah, the most, exactly. most prevalent and most found would mm-hmm. be, and which cuneiform would be clay. Yeah, exactly. So the ancient Sumerian tablets, they a lot of them describe the stories of the gods and their adventures, uh, the deeds, and also conflicts, which led to the creation of the heavens, the earth, and humanity. Uh, many of the stories are interpreted as describing the planets or the describing formations of, of early solar systems. Um, but as the tablets are further read and explored, they start to become read as physical beings or mythological beings, demigods, um, or even alien-like, while all having an involvement in human reality. That's the major basis of it. Um, so... And you could, you know, you could see that a lot in mythologies other than mm-hmm. religions too, yes. and even movies. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie uh, Alien vs. Predator. Mm-hmm. Um, what's ironic is there's always a lot of talk about Antarctica and what can be underneath Antarctica yeah. and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when you learn the backstory of Alien vs. Predator, it holds a very Sumerian-ish story on, you know, how the predators created this mm-hmm. race for purposes for themselves. That's what I'm saying. It's like where... You know, where do these ideas come from from to make a lot of these novel like stories or movies and everything? And a lot of it is credited back to certain ancient history and certain stories that we gain from then. And then also, as we're going through this, you'll see a lot more and probably will think about certain uh, teachings you have learned or or you'll make certain connections with, oh, well, you know, the ancient Greeks or the Romans uh, you know, or the Hindus or whatever, they they all have their certain stories that sound very, very similar. And there's something about the Sumerian writings that kind of show away how all those are connected. Um, so, like I said before, the interpretations, they change from planet creation to storytelling of gods, demigods, and physical beings, and so on. Um, and then some are just interpreted as um metaphors yeah so you decide really like we are when we're reading these mm-hmm. things when we're going to listen to geo talk about it because he has uh and I'll, i will call him out on this saying that mm-hmm. this was his choice uh, this was geo's very very interested in history and so am i mm-hmm. um i'm definitely sitting more on the speculating side of things mm-hmm. I, I did do a lot of research but um you know I, I sit here and say someone who hasn't who knows of a lot of this stuff and knows some of the names and knows some of the stories is that i sit here and speculate and allow my mind to kind of float through different um, uh, you know, I'm not trying to label anything or, or trying to say, define it as, oh, it's definitely that, but I'm um, what, what would be smart, I think for anybody for this stuff is to find a way to relate it to other mm-hmm. things you have learned. And then, but just don't seal the, the deal with yeah. what it is you're listening to. Just collect the information and see what it is you grab from it. And, uh, we'd love to hear about it too. We, we, we've talked about having you guys you know, involved in things. Mm-hmm. Eventually we'll find a way where we, maybe we can get you guys involved on a discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. You could always go to our Facebook, um, which I know we're very active there. And if you follow us on our Facebook, uh, we can, we also have a, uh, a TDT forum, uh, they could always join to be a member of, and that's a great place for us to have these certain discussions and we welcome it. So that's always something you could do. Just look at us up daily transcendence on Facebook and, uh, and give us a like yeah. and you can communicate with us. There you go. Um, but so, uh, I, you know, that's like you said, right, too. Like there's a lot in here that we're going to go over that is not necessarily all factual. It's also a lot of taking certain factual things or findings and 
also within the writings and making certain interpretations. So if you're listening to this, make sure you keep that in mind as well. I'll try to put my best to pinpoint out certain actual factual things. Um, and, you know, we'll go from there. Because there there are. There, there are, are. There are factual yeah. things. There's some stuff about our DNA mm-hmm. and uh, even uh, findings with, uh, you know, rock formations and, yeah. and you know, predating uh, with the ice caps and mm-hmm. stuff. I know that's a big one. Exactly. With the ice caps. And- it is important to kind of know um, a certain timeline as right. well in a way. But that's the other thing. There's timelines are, are kind of are kind of being interpreted in the best way that they can because time has not always been the same. You know, we know that time is a recording of, of certain celestial bodies and events and cycles that happen. Um, and that's how we get time. That's where it all started. You know, it started with astronomy and then moved into astrology. Um, and it's the mathematics of it all. Uh, and that's a, a that's a language on its own that's developed, right? So when actually, uh, I think I I know uh, Greg Braden uh, had mentioned, uh, you know, with certain with the ice caps, why I mentioned that, and uh, some of the rock formations and doing all the you know the predating with all that stuff is, you know, he mentions things being available or uh, you know um, showing up as two hundred thousand years old, and so when they do these measurements, I do believe that they're coming from say if it were measured at the same, like around the same uh, type of speed or how, if things were moving exactly the same, which I I do believe that obviously it it wouldn't be too much of a change. I know of earth glitches and, and like the spin of the earth kind of changing and obviously planets can be moving in different ways, but there, a lot of the the facts they lay out uh, definitely goes off uh, kind of like uh, they're working backwards. So when they say something's 200,000 years old, it's probably around that. So Mm -hmm. it is say that old, you can't discredit that it's that old, you know, obviously it's just going to be, it's more speculative. Though. Yeah. It's like, within a range. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So speculation is always key, but it's also like we're saying, understanding that there are facts laid out in here that connect the story, which makes it so interesting. Yeah. And uh, just to give you a kind of brief overview of the concept, um, taking on the scale of, I mean, this is going based off of uh, science and archaeologists as well that have dated back, you know, our planet, uh, from from what they have observed, and there's you take it in the concept concept of five thousand million years ago. That's a lot to try to <laughs> perceive, yeah. but um, that's kind of the way they scaled it out, and they broke up these divisions of time, like so, from five thousand million years ago to four thousand million years ago. You know, they created that as a they called it the the Hadean. The Hadean times. Then after that is the Archean, and then there's the Protozoic Age, uh, and then you have the Phenerozoic Age, and there's all divisions of time in between that as well. So where we're kind of starting off is at that beginning time of when possibly uh, Earth had its, you know, had its moment of creation, how a lot of these celestial bodies had its creation. We know about Big Bang and all that as well. And, you know, the possibility of a collapse of a star, but also the fact of, you know, I just was showing Ray, there's this book that I picked up and started reading and it's talking about the beginning of time. And it says, you know, to be able to have something, you know, there must have been a something or maybe there wasn't a something. Maybe it was just the fact that who's to say that first initial something was just more so a mental event, you know? And, and therefore it creates something 
So anyway, not to go too deep into that, but you can kind of get the picture as well as, as that happening and the creation of, you know, the universe and as well. And, and well, and reassuring the fact that when like how we do, which is why, you know, we it gets more and more interesting and enjoyable when it is you're not going in on having to definitely know the exact facts and things. And just I'm telling you, it's like, dude, my word of the day. And I this happens to me all the time is speculation. Like mm-hmm. it's pure speculation. It's trying to understand it to the best of our ability, but sitting there with an open mind and saying, okay, um, I now know that version of, you know, what we taught you and what we've learned. Cause obviously information being passed to one another, and there could be plenty of other also facts and things laid out from different teachers and stuff. But uh, you know, we we've gone to our most reliable sources and, and gathered up this information mm-hmm. and we still sit here with you in speculation. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much more to be, learned about it and we're in the process of it. So you're getting it in real time. So the thing I want to go back to with the Sumerians is there's a story within these ancient Sumerian tablets and it's called the Enuma Elish. Uh, It's a Sumerian tablet story that's along with others, such as like the uh, Sumerian Kings list. Um, And a a lot of the information I'm going to go over is Yes, there are some factual things as well, but there's also an author and researcher who uh, wrote many books on the theory of uh, the translation and actually went into the translation as best as he could, along with other scholars, uh, to translate what these stories were saying and what they meant. And his name is uh, Zachariah Stitchin. Uh, So... In his explanation of the ancient Sumerian culture, uh, there's the theory of the planet Nibiru. I'm sure some, if not most people, have heard of this concept of planet Nibiru. You know, I think is planet X. Yes, exactly. And it's what an outer. It's an outer planet that crosses through our solar system, or apparently through long, long periods of time, um, and it and it strays really far away from the sun, which we'll get into. Which, by the way, is normal because Pluto has a very erratic and weird yeah. uh, uh, orbit mm-hmm. around the sun. So it is it is it can be a normal reality for things. Yeah. So it, it's in this theory, it's said that the the Anunnaki, uh, this Anunnaki civilization um, that they come from this planet Nibiru or elsewhere, such as a different star system, maybe the Pleiades. I don't you know, either or. So, being that they come from the star system, or from this planet of Nibiru, um, when we're looking at the certain characters in the story, it is important to start off with the um, with the main concept of where did it all start and where did it begin. In the story we see of Enki and Enlil. Enki is also known as Ea, which is E-A, um, which the... In- interpretation of 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 Ea as EA is whose home is water. It's the prototype of Aquarius actually and the firstborn son of Anu. And he is also the half brother of Enlil. Now Ea and Enki are the same person. Uh for the sake of this, like we can use Ea as an interpretation uh, as a planet and then Enki as an interpretation as uh an actual physical being. Right. So keep your mind open because yes. that's, that's what we mean by see now all of a sudden people start being the same people. Mm-hmm. And, but now if you remember it, when you think back to say something like the Bible that happened a lot Yeah, where all of us, you know, there's two, I don't know if 
uh, I, I, a lot of you have to know this, but there's two creation stories in the Bible. You had you know, the, the two versions of Adam and Eve, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, uh, there was just different aspects that came out of each character where you're like, ah, why, why in this was this this? And then in that another story, the character was actually playing that. Like, there, mm. I think, I, I believe that there was even a thing with Moses where they were at war and he had killed many. I, I don't know if it was Moses, but there was a, a divine character in the story and they were involved in murder. And, mm-hmm. and and warlike actions. Uh, I forget exactly what it was. It was actually in like an ancient aliens thing I watched. Um, Cain and Abel? Uh, no, no. It was. Uh, I forget who it was. But re- regardless, that's the what my point is is it like yes, he's saying this person's the same character and it's not. And that's where like you or like like us, you probably feel the same way. It's like oh okay, well let's just keep hearing the story. We, yeah. You know. Why is it that? We don't know either. Yeah, and I'll keep referencing back to that. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, so Enki, also known as Ea. Ea will use as the planet representation, like I said, Enki's the physical being representation. Uh, so like I said, Enki was the firstborn son of Anu, which I'll get into who Anu is. Who Anu? Hey, how you doing? Hey, who Anu? <laughs> hey, who Anu? <laughs> uh, so Enki is also the half-brother of Enlil. Anu is also the father of Enlil. Um, so Enki is known as the leader of the first group of Anunnaki to arrive to Earth. Uh, he is the fashioner of mankind, and it's the he's the savior of the deluge. The deluge is just another word for the Great Flood. Um, he's given the epithet uh, Nudimund, which is also known as the fashioner, or... Uh, Ta, which is the developer in uh, in Egyptian, uh, Enki, also known as Lord Earth, is the father of Marduk, which I'll get into obviously who Marduk is as well once we go more into the story. So, in the Anumalish, uh, Enki is commissioned to um, to create a certain race. Um, whether he is commissioned from Anu or whether he's commissioned from Enlil, that's the constant debate. But before getting into that, um, we go into more so of this sort of bloodline and, and lineage or, or family tree, I guess you could say. So we know that Anu is the father of Enki and Enlil. But it's like, where did Anu come from? And who is Anu? Well, Anu is known to be the universal God. He is the heavenly father. Um, In a lot of these writings, he's depicted. Well, first of all, a lot of the Anunnaki gods in these depictions uh, from the ancient artifacts is they're depicted as these tall, uh, bearded men, um, which it's pretty funny because when we get the interpretation of God, we always get that it's this old, big, bearded man. Hmm. Uh, so that could be a lot of where these certain interpretations come from in even our more earlier religions as well. So Anu being the universal father god, he is the uh, he is the 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 Sumer in the Sumerian religion the su- the supreme being. Um, but that's the thing. We don't know. He could be a, a, an actual being or uh, of of the planet Nibiru, or he can just be more of this sort of uh, energy or demigod, yeah, half-bred type and, of thing. Well, and to start 
to start off when we're listening to it, like, you know, how uh, I'll give you how I approached it is I'm going to listen to it as as an, a, a real story first. And if there's something that comes up that just doesn't, yeah. m- you know, meld with my logic, then I just say, OK, I'm, I'm going to ask questions about that later. But for now, yeah, picture it as an actual physical you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a good way to go know. about it first. Right, right. I mean, before I'd mentioned to be speculative, yes, keep your mind open. Some things might not be physical. That's the mm-hmm. point. But, you know, uh, we, we got to, uh, uh, you know, source everything uh, or, you know, kind of go through it all first before we could decide what could be physical and what could be metaphysical. Yes, exactly. So before, I mean, you know, so before Anu, there is told that the way it's categorized in the Anu Malish is that there's the beginning. Like I told you how now we categorize uh, uh, our whole timeline of beginning of creation and earth and everything in these certain ways of naming them. In the Enuma Lish, it's translated as there was the beginning, uh, the prior times, and then the past times. That's how they divided up the sections of time when it comes to it. So in the beginning... uh, in the story, there's is said to be uh, these two figures, one being Apsu and one being uh, Tiamat, Tiamat or Namu in some other in some other translations. Now, Apsu is the primordial pro, uh, progen- progenitor of the solar system and can also be known as the sun. Yeah, pro progenitor or genesis, pro yeah. for life, making life. Exactly, and also in the um, in the Sumerian religion is known to be this male type energy, also associated with fresh water, and then Namu or Tiamat is known as the bitter salt water and the female side of it. Sounds like yin and yang. Yes, exactly. Or Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And the way they're described in the story is not so much actually physical when it comes to Apsu and Tiamat. They're also seen more so as this, like you said, yin and yang type energy, uh, which I thought it was pretty interesting seeing them as male and female, freshwater and saltwater. It reminded me of uh, the Vedic religion, how it explains through um, through the teachings of the beginning with Brahma how there was like the the rivers flowed down into the four corners of the earth creating the earth and all of that so i thought there was a pretty pretty cool similar uh interpretation when it comes to the water parts of yeah. it and i i always i thought it was interesting that they made the woman salt water cuz they they're always salty and salty and bitter <laughs> <laughs> sorry ladies <laughs> I really thought it was going to be opposite though. When I was going into this, I was like, "Oh, that's pretty interesting." <laughs> well, um, a lot of men are like chicks now, anyway, so they're yeah. salty too. There we go. A lot we, of men have that feminine, yeah, feminine vibe going. Sometimes on. saltier than the women. Yeah, and what I mean by that, so it's not misconstrued, is more so emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, men men are the ones that get more jealous and more attached and stuff. So we're we're the salty ones now, ladies. So right yeah. back at us now. Your women and now the women are on their uh, their bad bitch shit and. They're hot girl uh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> all right. So after Apsu and Namu, uh, Namu. comes, uh, there comes uh, Lamu Ooh, and Lamu and Lahamu. A lot of moos. And those are known to be the grand, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, those are known to be the parents of Anshar and Kishar, 
which the thing is, though, is the e-Semitic relate to Anu and Antu. Antu is the um, the consort or the spouse to Anu. So you have always that other aspect. It's almost like the female aspect from the start of Apsu and Tiamat. It goes down to the other male aspect and the female aspect, and then so on, so on, so on. So you get Lamu and Lahamu. And those are also the, like I said, the parents of Anshar and Kishar, which are also known as Anu and Antu. Uh, it just depends on where you're looking. Or if you're looking from the East Semitic, then it's Anshar and Kishar. If you're looking at the Sumerian religion, then it's Anu and Antu. But anyway, so then from Anu and Antu, that's where you get Enki and Enlil. And Enki and Enlil are the the they're put in control as the supreme leaders of the Anunnaki. Enki being the firstborn uh, and half brother to Enlil. But when we're looking at uh, Enki, Enki is known to be the god of wisdom, water, crafts, mischief, and creation. And then when we're looking at Enlil, Enlil is the Sumerian god of the air, and he is actually the more powerful of of any of the other elemental deities. And he's eventually worshipped as king of the gods. So you have Anu, the universal god, father, the, the heavenly father. He governs the heavens, earth, and the underworld and oversees it all. You have Enki, who is the uh, more so the earth god and the, and the creator of, of you know, things on earth and the physical. And then you have Enlil, who's more of the god of the sky and the atmosphere. Sounds kind of like uh, the Holy Trinity. Yes, uh, I was just going to, I was just thinking that Father, too. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm, you know? Exactly. Very similar. So another thing that we see when it comes to interpretation, I mentioned planets before. Anu is also, can be represented as Uranus. Also, Enlil can be too. And it's funny because when you think of astrology, you think of what is Uranus? Uranus is it's God, God well, of the gods. Right. It's, good. it's the leader. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's how you could see God of the gods can also be Enlil. And Enlil is also the sky and atmosphere God. Um, but then also you have Anu, who's the universal God. So they both can have a representation as Uranus, but they also could have a representation of Saturn. So. I also thought of it more as like, okay, Anu being the supreme universal God more so and on the outside has that representation of being Uranus, whereas Enlil, especially when you know what Saturn stands for. And once you start, once we start going into the story more and you see what Enlil represents and he represents this kind of like supreme structured power and stuff, he can be represented as Saturn. Well, I don't know if you missed this, but Saturn is Uranus's son. There you go. And they do have a big story of the whole that where they, it, their story collides with the whole um, Greek mythology of Kronos um, uh, and, and, and that whole thing. And then another thing that I've noticed was there was a representation of Enki, the Earth God, being more so uh, uh, depicted as Mercury. Yeah, and we were saying before, uh, me and him were discuss- discussing it before we started recording, was, um, you know, they're, they're, they're half-brothers, uh, Enlil and Enki, and uh, Gemini or Mercury, even Virgo, anything mercurial or just Mercury, the planet itself, is the mythology of it, just astrologically, is of the twins. 
um, were brothers. Uh, if you go to Greek, there's Castor and Pollux, and they are brothers, but one, uh, they're half-brothers because one's of a divine energy and one's of an earthly. That sounds very similar to that. Uh, I, I feel like uh, that, that's another correlation, and it just sounds like a lot of these are just so intertwined to where uh, obviously we're nowhere near the answer or uh, at least the you know, solid understanding of it. But yeah, there's just some more parallels for you. Yeah, absolutely. So further going into the uh, Anunnaki story, Enlil is known to be the keeper of the tablets of destinies, which are, which contain the fates of both gods and eventually humans as well. So who are and what are the Anunnaki? Well, one thing I want to point out is that the Bible speaks of beings called the Nephilim. And in Hebrew, that translates to fallen ones, or as Zachariah Stitchin uh, loosely translated it as those who came down. Um, so these can be considered as the same beings as the Anunnaki. So the Anunnaki believed to be descendants of Anu, who, were, who was the heavenly father. Enki and El Enlil are the prominent, uh, prominent leaders of the Anunnaki. Uh, there's an inconsistency in the number of Anunnaki that there were, especially when going through the Anumalish. Uh, there's a small handful of gods that are introduced, like Tiamat, Enki, Marduk, Enlil, so on. Um, but Marduk is known to be the uh, son of Enki. So he is a younger generation from Enki and Enlil. Uh, he is also known to be the half-brother of Enlil. And... Marduk is said to have placed 600 gods on earth and 300 in the heavens. And there's no explanation of who and why and where they came from. But we'll circle back to this in a bit. So the ancient Hittites identified the Anunnaki as the oldest generation of gods who were at some point overthrown and banished to the underworld by the newer generation of gods, which is partially described in the Enumalish itself. And this also reflects the mythological Greek Titan stories. The pantheons. Uh, yes, of right. being overthrown by younger pantheons. Right. Exactly. Yep. So there's a passage in the Bible in Genesis 6-4 where it says, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore the children, uh, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. So the Bible describes that they were the offsprings of the sons of gods, these Nephilim, and they were also the daughters of men. So essentially, this kind of personifies them as these beings. Uh, like demigods or hybrids of gods and humans, which we see in Greek mythology, a lot of those types of stories, uh, such as like Hercules and his father was the god Zeus and his mother was the mortal woman of Alchemide. Um, but this could also be a mistranslation of an archetype of a metaphor as well. So the story from Stitchin, as far as the Anunnaki and the whole reason behind their existence and everything goes such as that planet Nibiru was inhabited by life and it was the dominant species. Uh, they were bipedal in stature and had and they had evolved consciousness. They were said to be anywhere from 
10 feet to 15 feet tall. And this relates to the various levels of consciousness as well when it comes to when you're looking at these certain um, temples that were built uh, in this the ancient Sumerian area as well as Egypt as well. Um, but they were not immortal. They just had exceptionally long lifetimes or the lifetime line of these beings are not relevant to our concept of time. So you have to kind of as well keep that in mind too. So it was said from Stitchin that their their lifespan was anywhere from 360,000 years to 500,000 years, and that's Earth years. Uh, other scholars like Lawrence Gardner, he estimated at like 50,000 years. But anyway, they're depicted, like I said, as tall, bearded men, sometimes reptilian-like or humanoids or even bird-like. Um, there, we see a lot of certain ancient artifacts that have like these reptilian type humanoid statues and carvings. Uh, and Stitchin made the claim that he believed that the bird like one, like we think of Thoth, mm-hmm. um, but th- these type of uh, bird like, you know, interpretations that it was just actually some sort of space helmet. I thought yeah. that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, bird like I mean, space helmet. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it, I guess it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a helmet or, or maybe they're really bird heads, you know, it could be, I mean, we, we don't know what, yeah. uh, any other type of life form from another planet, uh, you know, mm-hmm. or another dimension, we don't know how they're going to manifest. So exactly. that, that could potentially be it. I mean, if we were thinking somewhat logically nowadays, if we didn't have much of an imagination, which a lot of people don't, but, uh, they could, yeah, it could be a, could be a helmet or it could be a head. Yeah. You know? And that'd be, it'd be interesting to hear what other people hearing this, what their sorts of ideas and interpretations can be of this. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, uh, you know, put it, uh, I put in the back of my mind is I'll consider it. And maybe, maybe it's something, uh, symbolic. Yeah. So, I mean, the main, the main predominant, uh, interpretation of them were these tall bearded men versions. Um, and these, they, they were like pretty much Titans. Which obviously we know we've heard many yes, of those types of stories. many stories of that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, this depiction, like I said, gave us the most common Christian image of God. Uh, Stitchin wanted his theory to relate more so to the Bible. Uh, so in the and he didn't want them to have this reptilian like uh, feature because the reptilian feature uh, kind of went into the biblical form of the serpent. And we know what the serpent represents in the Bible as being Satan or the devil or this opposing force. Um, there's also a lot of theories of them being shapeshifters. Uh, and it gives rise to a popular theory that uh, they can still be among us. That's where you get that whole, uh, that Draco type uh, reptilians that they live among us, like the queen and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, and, and Royal bloodlines and uh, also that there is a Draco star system. Mm -hmm. So that even gives the idea of, well, wherever that term came from and where they, you know, obviously it could have been that these beings are from that star system too. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, you got the bloodlines, you got the types of uh, star systems that they could be coming from. And the fact is, is uh, you know, many people, call you know they call david ike or something or those types of people there they call them crazy because oh you know where do you get the idea of reptilian or shape-shifting well it's written it's written in these uh these stories that's what i'm saying they could be like i said there, there's so many different depictions of 
what these characters can be, uh, whether it's allegorical or whether, like I said, physical beings or planets and stuff. You know, we said how Anu could even be depicted as Uranus. Um, and also something that I discussed with Ray uh, was was the fact that, you know, how is it that we, you know, what if what if these planets <laughs> that we see are actual uh, physical manifestations of a consciousness on its own. I told him it's not that crazy. I've even thought about it in that form too. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning if so, if there's other dimensions or, you know, cause think about it. I, I relate it to dreaming. Uh, when you sleep, you go to a whole nother place. And if you're lucid dreaming, you can control these things. So it's, it, it does seem as if it's another realm and there's plenty of terms, uh, you know, that they consider, uh, the dream world to be like the astral plane and then it's a whole nother realm so you know maybe in this 3d world you know things have uh another form in another uh dimension so like a planet being maybe a very powerful being in the next dimension up uh and that's why they're considered say gods or things like that because there's another story going on in another dimension and it just happens to be in this dimension it's a bunch of spinning balls Mm -hmm. in signs and representing energies and stuff like that so and it's i mean it's very outlandish and crazy but Mm -hmm. uh so is life you know the the fact is that i'll always relate back to we're sitting on a ball of water floating around a ball of fire and it's all crazy crap like we're Mm -hmm. literally spinning in the middle of a void and nothing and we're all here right now so Mm -hmm. why call something like that not possible so i'm saying we can't dismiss uh dismiss a lot of these certain perspectives or theories on things because of the fact that when really thinking about things the word that it's an understatement but shit's crazy it is it It really is is. i mean that's why i I actually had to stop smoking weed because when i would smoke weed um things got too real and i know a lot of people say they either get paranoid or they overthink or get anxiety uh for me it was i got so in touch with the thoughts of that like the thoughts of life and reality Mm -hmm. where I, i i was almost like man i'm in this I felt like a little disconnected from the 3D world where I was like, I'm in this body and how did I get here? And I know we've all thought about that, mm-hmm. but when you really think about it, like you have to get down to the to the, the nitty gritty of processing it and saying, wow, really think about it. Mm-hmm. And it is crazy. And yeah. we, we definitely, I won't say take it for granted, but I definitely more so say that um, I don't think we practice the art of deep thought enough and and what and not like deep thought like obviously we all have deep thoughted moments and daydreaming and stuff but i'm when you really go into that shadowy you know dark side of understanding life it's like when you really break it down man it's it's all weird so you cannot you know you you can if you'd like go ahead but i would recommend and not discounting or discrediting any of it and these are archived you know stories and 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 things written in history and found from other civilizations so it's amazing to think that a lot of this can be real and things can be interdimensional and there could be shape-shifting aliens walking around i mean it does sound crazy but man uh, if life's that interesting and wow i you know i don't mind being alive right now to to discover to Mm -hmm. you know to be around for discovering all this stuff because that's amazing why wouldn't you want it to be that way i never understood people get like real ass hurt over if you if you speculate speculate these ideas because Mm -hmm. it's like dude that would be the coolest shatters it shatters people's reality and and they get you know it it triggers them because they're they're in their own thought process and beliefs on things i think that's where the dark side of religion comes into play yeah because then they're right, widely indoctrinated on us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't even necessarily follow certain religions, especially to a T or anything and stuff, 
you know, there's still that indoctrinated belief that uh, religions have also put into our science as well, into the, our concept of understanding things as well. Mm. So, um, but yeah, so back to the Sumerian tablets, um, Stitchin, uh, widely translated as the Anaki were these evolved, technologically advanced beings that lived on the planet Nibiru. And these beings had the same advancement as we have today or slightly more. Um, so 450,000 years ago, after the event between Nibiru and Tiamat, which was more so the fact that there was is time it was it was said that there was this time uh as far as like i think like seven generations uh since the beginning of nibiru uh which that one is there's there's it's it's a very kind of skipped over information in a way i feel like but during these seven generations of of the of nibiru coming to fruition as well as uh the seven generations of uh, these beings on Nibiru that were in charge, um, there was a lot of a, a lot of uh, like like the way we deal with today on uh, in in our world, you know, planetary change, society, how we're gonna you know technological advancements and everything and stuff, climate. and climate and mm-hmm. all that. So there was a lot going on, and this also brought on a certain hierarchy and separation within their own civilizations. So, uh, the Anunnaki had problems with their planets and their atmosphere, uh, because it's, you know, Nibiru's orbital journey, um, to and from the sun. So the planet experienced extreme cooling when further away from the sun because it had such a large orbit, uh, and it became, it was starting to become less habitable. Um, they then came up with the science to heat the planet for longer periods of time when far away from the sun. And their way of doing this was the idea of, um, uh, releasing granulated gold, uh, uh, releasing granulated gold particles into the atmosphere in order to create almost like a greenhouse effect. It was to reflect some of the hard radiation, but also that when they were further away from the sun, the heat that they got from when they were closer to sun would kind of more so be trapped within their, you know, within their ozone layer. And it would actually, you know, I just thought about this too. It would make sense that they use gold, not only for all those reasons, mm-hmm. but gold is uh, known to purify. Yeah. So if they did trap, say, the heat and the air mm-hmm. and the energy in the in on the planet, mm-hmm. then uh, it being somewhat of a vibration of gold, yes. then you would think, well, if they, they're living off the same air and they're this and that and uh, the energy and all that from the sun that they've gotten, like wouldn't it either, you know, get stale or run out yeah the gold would purify it and and keep uh you know some sort of circulation and that is speculation by the way because i don't know if that's fully true but that's what gold is considered in alchemy to be a purified energy yeah absolutely and then on top of that gold is a more natural um uh softer and lighter metal so therefore it will be able to sustain itself up into the atmosphere without dropping and falling because it is lighter, especially when it's ground up um, and it, and it is a softer metal as well. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's a, you know, less of a toxicity too, probably that's my own kind of speculation too. I mean, think about it. We have where they make, um, what do you call it? 
They, we, we use it in certain. Uh, we we can make edible gold. We've made edible oh, gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, silver too. Isn't there like uh, so, supplements? Well, you, well, yeah, for, uh, supplements. Colloidal that, silver. But I've and, seen they've done they've done things where it's like. Um, uh, gold truffles on something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah it's like yeah. really thin or something mm-hmm. like that, and it's actually made of partially with gold. Mm-hmm. So you know that's how you could see that that being a thing as well. Yeah, you know, and I actually I, I ended up uh, gathering up the atrahasis. Um, it's tablet one. So uh, after you're done with um, describing, you know, all these reasonings, I do have a part of the tablet I want to read. Okay, so. This idea to granulate the gold and put in our in their atmosphere in order to survive long journeys away from the sun and space uh, was something that they really were putting to fruition. And they brought it to the hierarchies that they had to go to at this time. Uh, and it's funny because similar science theories are used today uh, for our Earth. You know, we see chemtrails uh, and weather balloons and, you know, they're releasing certain metals up into our atmosphere to deflect the sun from harmful radiation reaching earth and also to patch up parts of our ozone layer. So yeah. it makes you wonder like, where did that come from? Uh-huh. You know, where that's more, it's like more scientific information that could have been passed down for a millennia. And the thing is too, is this goes out to all the conspiracy mm-hmm. theorists. Let me just throw this out there is, you know, uh, and I'm with you guys on, you know, the, the fact that, um, chemtrails and mm-hmm. certain things can be bad and probably are and someone like uh mr gates or things like that we hear all these little things about you know i i won't get too deep into it right now but you technically don't know that there could potentially be a good reason for certain mm-hmm. things uh and obviously i'm with more on the side of things probably are a little harmful yeah i mean it's but the execution really, might not be great or no. really actually good. Well, think if but, they have to hide this stuff. You yes. know, let's say they don't want to have upheaval and, and people go crazy because, you know, uh, things that maybe they're keeping away for our own good for mm-hmm. more of the lower consciousness that exists on the planet. Yeah. So they have to kind of be wary of people that aren't ready for mm-hmm. it. So they're doing certain things and potentially, so please don't crucify me for this, but more so the fact that certain things can be done for a reason and it's being kept in secret for not only bad reasons, but for good reasons. Yeah, to keep keep the order, if you will. Yeah. So um, with this idea now, the Anunnaki started mining for gold on their own planet. But gold on their planet was actually very scarce. Uh, so in that, you know, and you could imagine there's a lot of panic going on. I mean, look at us now. You know, we're... We're saying how we're like two minutes away from the whatever time clock that we use until, you know, it's irreversible for us. Climate change or whatever that they say, you know, there's there's a panic on it. There's there's division because of it as well. Um, So that also was something that was occurring during that time, too. And also there was other ideas uh, being uh, put out at that time was they also were in control of certain nuclear type energy as well they because they were very technologically advanced like during that time we we could say that they were as technologically advanced if not more technically technologically advanced that we are today so i mean history does repeat itself yeah so there the other uh, just a real quick other idea of it was the fact that um a lot in the anuma lish was said about the their volcanoes on their planet and apparently their volcanoes helped create 
a certain sustainable atmosphere as well because of the fact that, you know, when the eruption would happen, it would create a cloud and the crowds would create certain precipitation and everything. And, you know, it would also keep like the planet insulated as well. Um, but the thing was, I guess because they were going through such a planetary change, the volcanoes were no longer erupting or erupting as often as they needed to be erupting. So there was an idea of using their nuclear energy in order to manipulate the volcanoes to have them erupt. And they tried doing this and it wasn't working and it further damaged their planet even more by using their nuclear energy. It kind of sounds like what we're scared of happening this day. You know what I mean? Maybe not so that we're using the nuclear energy to, um, uh, to, to heal our planet and stuff, but we're using it in other ways as well. Um, well, you know, to, let me throw this in there. Cause it makes me think, you know, you have all these different cultures and areas across the, the planet at different times and things are repeating themselves. So it's like, you know, we talk about destiny and things that are bound to happen. And it's like, are these, these things repeating, uh, because it, it is part of this, like, you know, uh, manifestation of the, of a similar thing constantly. And it's just this cycle that keeps going. And then it, mm. it's like uh, in breath, out breath, you know, it's like, uh, we advance only so much and then, you know, it's got a, a mm. pendulum has to swing, things happen. And then it comes back again. And we learn from our mistakes constantly, uh, to, to come that, and that's the source of evolution. And who knows? I mean, I don't know if the universe is this dark, but you know, maybe these catastrophic events are these like, you know, um, it's almost like as if the earth is fasting and getting rid of all the cells and all the things that are, you know, stale yeah. and, and, and done with, you know, it could be that or, you know, there, there's this natural cycle or just this, um, you know, this repeating of certain events, you know, talking about nuclear energy and holding it and the government kind of, you know, having workers and keeping things away from people. It sounds like mm-hmm. today, you know, yeah, well, I mean, you think about the fact of why we even have nuclear energy to, to this day is because of the fact of you know, discovering uranium and realizing the the uses of uranium when it comes to certain things. And it was for energy purposes. It wasn't for weapon purposes at first, but it was realized that it could be used for weapon purposes, um, especially on a brink of where there was a lot of, uh, you know, warlike energy going on during during the time of those discoveries and stuff. Um, but the... When okay, so they didn't have enough gold to supply the need that they need that that they needed to uh, go through with this concept uh, as far as you know releasing gold particles into the atmosphere, um, as well as there was also a split in the division because of the use of their nuclear energy and their technology, um, and was it agreed upon, and it also was further damaging the planet yeah and i actually uh the part of the tablet i want to read actually is the uh translation of the happening of that Uh um basically where from where geo's leaving off on this uh i'm going to take it over uh after he's done uh it's basically what's on the tablet explains uh the anunnaki what happens with the split you got the Ajiji, which are the Anunnaki workers that they had brought here mm-hmm. to, to mine mm-hmm. uh, for the golden stuff. And uh, I, I actually picked out the, the part of the story where they explain that on the yeah. tablets. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so in realizing they don't have enough gold on their own planet, they start looking through, uh, they start looking for large quantities of gold in our solar system uh, because, you know, there wasn't enough. So, 
doing that, they found Earth, apparently. And the Anunnaki were able to travel through space, but it was thought that they were only able to travel travel within within uh, their galaxy. So when Nibiru would enter our solar system, the Anunnaki would deploy workers to our Earth and mine for gold. In the process, they would establish way stations on Mars, apparently, to bring the gold back to Nibiru. Uh, Stitchin believed that they built the face-like structure as well that we see on Mars um, as a tribute to a fallen Anunnaki who died there after uh, playing a pivotal role in finding and mining the gold. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this this is definitely probably one of the most important parts of the story. And I and a lot of people, they're interested in Nibiru and stuff, and there's even ter- uh, there's certain um, theories that it's fourth dimensional, and, it, you know, it's there's all these different types of... Uh, uh, you know, speculations on it, but uh, it being this way would make sense. And when I first heard the story, like, oh, the aliens came here and made humans for gold. But then when you when I didn't realize that it's in the tablets uh, and that they they talk about it. And when you hear the story, I mean, yes, it could sound like a mythology and some deeper meaning uh, story, like an allegory. Um, but, you know, it, if we're talking about the creation of humans and stuff like how we got here that's what makes it so interesting is the story sounds kind of movie-ish and fantasy like up until you ask the question well it's like well we're here though you know like it's it's connected to us Mm -hmm. these these beings end up being connected to the creation of humans so that's where it kind of starts to you know solidify the fact that you know there most likely was a civilization here that came to do it. Was it for the gold? Were they bringing stuff on Mars? We don't know, but it definitely is true that something had, had to have, you know, create this and, and come here for a certain reason. And in another episode, we will go into that because Mm -hmm. we want to talk about the DNA and uh, chromosome two, which is a big part of the story. And uh, that's where we're going to, we're going to follow up this episode with, because we want to talk about, um, you know, uh, the human body and the connection to nature and what these beings had, you know, may have brought to us and what may, why they made us into it. Um, you know, this, this was really more for, you know, how did they get here and why, and here's the story and here's so far what they have, um, you know, came up with mm-hmm. through the tablets and stuff. Yeah. And, and it just in the first tablet alone, like the synopsis is they, how, how the gods, you know, there's the story and you could look up the the tablets themselves in the translation or even get uh, Stitchin's book. But they they talk about how the gods fled their cities as this nuclear cloud spread. Like I said before, that they were using nuclear energy to try to uh, uh, activate these volcanoes. Therefore, it created even more of this type of nuclear cloud that was just further harming the, the planet. And there was huge debates in the Council of the Gods as far as what to do, who was going to rule, mm. uh, you know, what, what, you know, there was a lot of fighting over generational bloodlines of who's in charge and all that. A big prick waving contest a lot of the times. Um, uh, and, there was also because of that argument and that split, it was splitting their civilization. And there was also this fateful type of decision to unleash uh, the weapons of terror and the weapons of terror were uh, and that's how it's kind of translated in these tablets to English. And the weapons of terror was this type of nuclear energy, not necessarily even mean nuclear as we know it, more so nuclear as in this advanced type energetic 
energy uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, technology it doesn't have to stuff. be this atomic bomb that gets dropped or anything mm-hmm. like that but more so and it can involve something like explosions or whatever but there's this energetic aspect mm-hmm. to it plus it does actually have a lot of connections to atlantis because the yeah. sinking of atlantis uh had a lot to do with stuff like that yeah. uh you know the them making an electromagnetic grid with the pyramids mm-hmm. and uh, uh other aspects of that fashion where there was a reason why there was a shift and a great flood yeah. you know so this actually gonna, leads up to this that this is why you're going to want to listen to this series as we keep going into it because we're going to touch up on all that and and root back the connections of this and you're going to see why it's it's something to really take note of because these concepts do play a big part in one just yes our origins and our our our, our um you know our creation but also the potentials behind human that the behind behind humans that uh there's like this lost connection and the ability to make that connection back and even as we go through these stories and go throughout time you see you'll end up seeing how they uh, you know, as civilization and human beings were on Earth as well, there was still this constant strive with now a new destiny to make their way back to this sort of connection. And it was like almost like the destiny wasn't thought to be the destiny, but then this new type of destiny comes about and certain alien like beings or the Anunnaki or a Anunnaki leader uh, was trying to maintain this new destiny as well. So there's a lot of lot of uh, interesting information that's going to come about this series. So definitely stick with us. Right, right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think as we go along, it'll get more more and more clear um, because, yeah, like I said at the beginning, you know, I'm, I'm still very uh, surface level. You know, uh, we gathered up as much information as we can just as an introduction, but there is many layers and there's, you know, it might've just sound like a bunch of Anus and Amus at the beginning, but there's a reason why it's almost like as if you're reading the Bible, you know, there's reasons why you want to understand Abraham and Peter and this and that, like those might be just names and stuff, but they end up being a big part of the story. And, uh, the deeper meanings of these stories will lie in the characters and what goes on and, and all that. And, uh, you know, with, with Atlantis too, I mean, that's a big turning point, uh, you know, it, it, my my whole thing with both of these stories going from, you know, the Anunnaki to a, to Atlantis is if any of this stuff is remotely true, which obviously because there is, you know, artifacts and stuff, um, you know, that means that our story has been told the creation story and what the system has brought to us and what, you know, being raised as kids growing up into this new era and and having our belief systems now well, it changes everything, you know? So why is it important? Well, it's important because it changes everything we, we know. And then it opens up many possibilities. And the fact is, is, you know, we could be part alien. We could be extraterrestrial ourselves and that we weren't mm-hmm. fully from the earth. And that's, that's groundbreaking. That's uh, what I mean. We talk about these limiting beliefs that we have and transcending certain knowledge and information in order to break the limits and break the barriers of these beliefs that we may have and we've seen through scientific research and even like a lot of what Joe Dispenza talks about and everything, how we actually have the capabilities to, uh, you know, change, you know, our, our, uh, physical reaction and reality to a lot of occurrences that we experience. 
And it's just by using the power of the mind and the heart. Yeah, yeah, that's not just a euphemism. Mm-hmm. It, it, he's, uh, you know, Joe Dispenza is a neurologist and mm-hmm. a scientist, and he, you know, he does these workshops, and you know, he he sees people. Um, he does like brain scans as people are meditating and doing certain practices that they have, that they have figured out themselves in his organization. And he watches crazy changes. He talks about brain waves and gamma brain waves, and when people access the certain frequency of the mind, and and uh, you know, uh, and they measure it by brain wave activity, that um, miracle healings start to happen, traumas get let go, um, you know, and if and well, because uh, you know, most of the new agers and people that are starting to understand all this new knowledge, they understand really that we manifest reality Mm -hmm. through emotions. We've talked about that before. So if you go in and uh, understand that we're more powerful than what we are and the fact that our emotions and thoughts and our heart field create reality, well, that entails uh, that we're more powerful and that we we are more capable than what we think. And a lot of people on the earth really, you know, I feel like just from the vibe I get is they feel like we've hit a brick wall. Mm -hmm. Like there's nowhere to go. It's like now let's just turn to the government and turn to tv and turn to other people but yet this information's out there and it links all the way back to two hundred thousand years ago to our supposed creators mm-hmm. so um by point being by understanding the story and the origins of it all gives us access to to the knowledge that we would need to to realize our power and to realize what we really are uh how do you figure out you know critical thinking right how do you figure out an a problem you backtrack mm-hmm. and you go to the source yeah it gives you it gives you like an understanding these stories like yeah you could probably just you know get down to the nitty-gritty and be like hey you know what uh all right i don't really want to know the the whole detailed story and everything about the sumerians or whatever and creation and stuff like that i want to know how to start doing it today and you can and that's fine you yeah, you could skip mm-hmm. it if you totally just actually believe in this stuff yeah uh, you know, if if you don't need to know history, fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously episodes like this are for the people that yeah. really do need more. Um, well, for me, it's curiosity and wanting to know more because mm-hmm. that's just who I am. And I know a lot of people are like that, but there's also people that need more facts and yeah. more helps th- shed that resistance uh, because mm-hmm. of because of whatever indoctrinated beliefs or also skepticism as well. Right. And then, you know, I think a lot of people do run away from this kind of stuff because then they don't really want to believe that the government lied to us. They don't Mm -hmm. want to believe that there's bad people. You know, it's funny. Sam Tripoli had Mm -hmm. said it really good on that one episode with uh, Bonacci Mm -hmm. where he had said, he's like, yeah, you know, people are good people, meaning like there's people out there that don't want to believe the government lied and whatever Mm -hmm. because they're good people and they want to see others yeah. in the same light that they see themselves or that they expect people but to you can't blame them no them. right and that's my point mm-hmm. and you know i i've gotten ridiculed or yelled at for saying that you know like religion could be a bad thing well when i it, my point though to most of the time and I, I will repeat this to the end of time because there's so many people that need to hear this is if you don't if you don't believe beyond certain things and then you stop at a belief system because you've been told mm-hmm. then i believe that that's a sin yeah. Because you're cutting yourself off from the truth, mm-hmm. uh, if so. So I believe that curiosity may have killed the cat, but curiosity will open the door up too, mm-hmm. and I find it rather important. And a fascinating story, like alien beings coming to Earth and uh, you know to come look for gold because of their atmosphere and certain climates, and they had to create a, basically a slave race to mine gold for them, it sounds like a really crappy fantasy movie. Yeah. 
but it's amazing if yeah. it really did happen. I mean, but also when you go into the biblical stories and stuff, I mean, look at how there was certain races of people and human beings that, you know, were controlled by certain bloodlines or Pharisees that enslaved people for hundreds of years. You know, and one being an example is in the Egyptian times and, uh, you know, even in the stories of Moses, you know, it was the 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 Jewish, the, the, the Hebrew people, you know, the, the Hebrew natives, how they were enslaved by the Pharaoh, by the Pharaohs, you know, and, and that just goes to show that there is like this repeating factor as well. And also, I think like when you say as far as like how religion can be bad, it's not necessarily like I think this is what you think as well, is that not necessarily maybe the religion itself nope. or like whatever. It's more the so application. The, yeah. And the institutionalized yes. type mm-hmm. of religion where because to me, it seems like a lot of them, it's like too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Everybody, yeah. there's too many people trying to say what to do, how you're supposed to do it, and all these rules or whatever, to the point where it doesn't allow the person to have that free will that they speak of. And curiosity yes. and wonder. And I feel like that can be a definitely, or it's a definite source of depression, and I'll call it out right now, that people were told to believe something, and then what happens is, is because you've set yourself in a certain belief system, um, which it's okay to believe things, it's not the point. It's a matter of when you hit the brick wall and you have nowhere else to look. It's almost like we lose our uh, childlike imagination and the wonder we have for life because we think we know it. That's it. We know the story. We were told it. We were read it. We were said to believe it. We practiced it. We went to school with it, and... um it could be the truth, you know, like I don't say it's not, but my point is, is if you've hit a brick wall like I did a long time ago, it was more so that the wonder and the curiosity and the understanding that the story could be so much bigger and that the fact is we haven't hit the end of the story and we're just waiting for our apocalypse to come mm-hmm. or someone to come back and save us. And uh, because if that's not the truth, if, mm-hmm. if, if it's not the truth, it's almost like you're letting life pass you by. Because exactly. You're missing you're just- out. You're just kind of waiting for this end time to happen and you can be waiting for nothing. You know what I mean? That's that's the thing. Instead, at least if you understand the fact that, okay, like like we said, it's okay to believe those certain things are going to occur. But what are you going to do in the in-between time? There's a purpose of existing in this now in this realm every day. You know, there's uh, there's there's some sort of constructive effort that needs to be done on this earth and there is enjoyment to be had on this earth and like i know personally the bible and i know even a lot of christians they don't teach you that you're not supposed to you're not supposed to enjoy life now Mm -hmm. a lot of them especially more so the new age new beginning type um you know uh you know christian teachings is about the fact that like god doesn't want you to be poor it's not about being poor or 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 not you know, abundant in this lifetime, you are to be abundant in this, in this lifetime. Yeah. Well, and you know, like, uh, I'll, I'll use this as an example, uh, you know, cause I've under, I understand tithing, right. And, mm-hmm. uh, giving 10%. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys get on TV. This mm-hmm. happened more in the nineties, Yeah, but they would get on TV and say 10% of your money. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, poor people that are not doing great with money and they're just looking for faith and they're just looking for, you know, an answer and help and, and God, to watch over them and they're showing their adoration. Uh, a lot of those guys, by the way, were arrested yeah. for, for, for lying. Mm-hmm. And my point with that, and it goes back to my core belief on the subject of depending on an outside belief, something that's putting the power outside of you. Um, 
is you to still stay humble, but the fact is if someone stripped you from your power and then you think you have to give away everything you have, mm-hmm. that doesn't sound like yeah. a godly and thing. That's, it see, doesn't. That's, and that's the institutionalized type teaching way because yes. tithing also, if you really look it into it in the Bible and and really understand it, tithing also just means to give 10% of your day, 10% of your life and your effort and your time to God, you know, whether it's practicing scripture, reading scripture, you mm-hmm. know, you know, finding that time to connect with God, all that, like, you know, doing your, doing your deeds, you know, and, and, you know, kind of, um, you know, making sure as you go through your day, you're, you're doing things that are in benefit to not only yourself, but to Humanity. Man, yeah, to humanity. Man. You know, and then it also could be an unconscious type of thing. You know, you're just doing things and you're acting a certain way and you're presenting yourself in life that somehow in turn is reflective of the passion that you want to see, uh that 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 Christ like passion that you want to see on the earth. And that's another thing because you said something before about um you know, that there's people that they they want to believe the good and everything and stuff. Majority of people on earth are good. Yep. Mm -hmm. Do not let the media or other types of outlets or anything uh, convince you of the bad uh, that that most is bad because you know what? Think about your days going through whatever and, and your interactions with strangers or anybody and stuff. Most of the time, your interactions with people are not bad and people are nice and people are good. You know, it's just the simple concept of of, you know, the teacher writes on the board uh, these multiplication things. Nine times zero equals zero. Nine times one equals nine and goes through the whole list all the way up until nine times nine. And they get all of them right, except for the last one. And they put nine times nine equals fucking whatever, 42 or something like that. What's a whole classroom going to do? Oh my God, teacher, teacher, that's wrong. That's wrong. And they're going to start pointing to that, whatever. And oh my God, but yeah, you got that wrong. Da, 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 da. And it's like, but wait a minute. What about the rest of the eight of the problems? We got all that right. There's such a hyper focus on the bad. There's such a hyper focus on the one thing that's wrong. And why? Because it creates some sort of adrenaline. It creates some sort of excitement. It's fight or flight. Yes. And uh, it's also egotistical at times, too, because of who wants to be right or who wants to be the one who points out something. Well, and we're conditioned. And I've said this before that, you know, from from childhood, you know, we've we're, we're taught that competition is more important than car, uh, like, you know, um, uh, what's the other word? The C word where we're in coordinates with each other, not even when you're complimenting the rest mm-hmm. of the economy. Like it's uh, there's I forgot. I can't believe I'm forgetting the word, but it's. Because uh, Braden has said it was Lipton and Braden mm-hmm. both had said that it's like it's not about competition, but it's more so about the coherence. Uh, co- it could be coherence. We'll just say that, but you know, in in the end, the simplify doesn't have to be the right word. It's mm-hmm. more so just getting the point across here. It's more so about we're you know we're being conditioned to be in competitive nature, and, uh, and one of my favorite topics, by the way, with the chakras is being stuck in the root chakra, mm-hmm. being stuck in the in the fight or flight in the survival mode and we're taught that you know mm-hmm. like if you look on if you look at the curriculum of the system and what they make you make us do um we're if the body has habits right mm-hmm. if you do something every day it becomes a habit 
well, we're taught to be better than the next and to be, you know, um, to win. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've talked about this before. Yeah. It might have been on the last episode. Yeah, but, no. but it's about to be, you know, being better and all that and even coming down to political beliefs and religious beliefs. And to circle back around, we're talking here still about the Anunnaki and our origins and stuff. Well, let's try and not be so competitive on who's right or what religion you need to believe, like to not be told what we need to do to win or to be good or, or whatever, because you've been scammed many times. But you know, that was my point bringing up the religious institutions is they're taking these good people, which most people are, and they're, uh, they're taking advantage of them when they're, you know, they're already cut down. Mm-hmm. They're already, you know, some people are already living in poverty and you're taking, say, an 80-year-old woman who lost her husband. She's a widow. You know, she doesn't see her grandparents much. And all she has to do, because no one comes to visit her, uh, visits her, is she watches TV and one of these preachers come on and say, you need to give 10% and God will save you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like that are out there. And hey, it's gullible and it's nonsensical sometimes, but you can't blame them because they were conditioned. They mm-hmm. were conditioned not only to be competitive, but to put the power outside of themselves. And mm-hmm. when you you learn of the origin story and you learn of like the Anunnaki and you learn about how maybe we could have been lied to about our origins and stuff. It just makes you, it's good for you because you've now questioned where you've gotten your morals and your values and your beliefs and things like that. Like you might, some of you might not want to hear that we've been lied to, but guess what? What if that's the, you want to help that 80 year old woman and you want to help other people and stuff. Well, stop putting the power outside of you. Understand that we potentially could have, been created as very powerful beings and creators that where we can affect the whole world just with ourselves, you know, with, with, with our beliefs, with our, you know, uh, getting in touch with ourselves makes us more powerful because then we start to manifest a better life and then the happiness starts to become contagious, you know? So uh, very, very important, I think, to, to remember that why would we, we be talking about creation story? Why do we consider that we could have been being lied to is because we're, you know, we want everyone to come into their own power and have the truth. I think we all deserve that. You know, mm-hmm. we all deserve freedom on this planet and we all deserve the truth. Yeah. And, and that, that's absolutely right. Because even when you think about the biblical form, it's like, it's almost as if we were depicted, you know, starting from Genesis that we were destined to, um, to live out aimlessly in paradise in this garden um, with just, you know, non-questioning anything without a knowing, just, just being right. And that sounds great. But then also as the story goes on, it seems like, you know, the banishment from the garden and everything, this all stuff we're going to get into and, and really break it down and the allegoricals of it and everything well, yeah, with the garden of Eden. I feel like uh, that you can look forward to that on the next talk. We'll, we'll yeah. bring up the DNA, uh, the DNA factor um, with the Anunnaki and what could have happened with chromosome two and how they could have maybe flipped the story yeah. of the serpent and the Garden of Eden. Yeah, and that's something that really caught my attention. But also, like, the thing was, and then after that, it seemed like we were almost destined for um, for a life of being enslaved, you know? And, it, I, like, I'm talking even just through the biblical, biblical teachings in the form of it, it was, like, almost like we were destined to be enslaved and, and damned and... Uh, we upset God and that um, that humanity was going to be punished and everything. And then we we see how the destiny changes to changes to that. It was um, we were, you know, there was a repent. There was a, uh, a a saving 
done to us that we were released from capture. And I'm using that as allegorical, the enslavement and everything like we were I would say spiritually. Yeah, we were released from that enslave, enslavement uh, destiny and brought into a new destiny and stuff. And then when you go into uh, when you go into even the Sumerian story and the Anuma Lish and everything, it shows the same thing. It shows that there was like almost like this. We were you know, destined to have this aimless thing and just be an instrument of these higher beings. Um, but then it was like, oh, we were then all of a sudden destiny changed into the fact that we were turned into having some sort of free will and knowledge and knowing and being able to learn and trying to uh, trying to, uh, you know, make sure that we didn't fall into that old destiny and then the destiny changes again and this is a repetitive type of um uh a repetitive uh, repetitive type of uh pattern that w- that we're seeing in all these stories as well and this is why we think it's you know it's great to explore these uh these multiple stories and theories as well because it gives you a, a more broader overall understanding of of us. Yeah. Why, why cut off yourself and everyone else? And Hey, do you want your family to be happy and the people around you? Do you want to live in some sort of type of paradise? Well, guess what? This paradigm we're living through, or, you know, obviously I think exiting out of, uh, that that's going to be the way we change it. You know, it's by changing the way you look at things. Actually, you know what? Glad I said this Wayne Dyer. Uh, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, uh, you know, and you could see that on a metaphysical level, meaning manifestation wise, like the, you know, put out different energies, attract different things or just psychologically. You know, if I see the good in everything, truly, um, you know, the things I the places I end up in and the people I end up around are going to change and it's just naturally going to happen. So, uh, you know, boxing yourself into these things and not what you know, you don't have to hear the Anunnaki story, but. Um, if your paradigm is not shattered yet and you still believe we're only 6,000 years old and, you know, and that's fine. Uh, okay. Uh, I would say then if you want to stick with that, it's okay. But if you go and do the, the research and hear us out on these stories and understand it, that there is a deeper truth. And if you are depressed or if you're miserable or not even, let's say you're just stale, Mm -hmm. This something like this understanding it goes deeper and that there's 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 more to it will liven you up again. You know, you know, when you watch a series or or movies, you know, you can only watch the same season over and over again so many times before you really like this does nothing for me. You know, yeah. like um, I've seen this a hundred times. The emotions gone. I know what they're going to say. I know what's going to happen. Well, you're kind of making life that way if mm. you've lost that like zest and you just you know, I have my beliefs. I went to church or I went to this. I went to, you know, uh, Tibet and sat with the monks and uh, I chose my belief and that's it. And, but I'm miserable or I'm stale. You know, you have no life left or spirit. It's like, well, these types of things you don't realize can knock on the door to mm-hmm. a whole new world. And wouldn't you want to know if we were powerful or not to create our own, uh, to, to create our own destiny? Yeah. To, you know, like it, maybe someone had written it out for us, but you know, uh, maybe it is a test from God that, you know what, I'm going to write this, I'm going to give this story to these people and then I'm going to have them analyze it. Mm -hmm. And then I want them to be like me. So I want them to not say go against my word, but to redefine themselves. You know, I gave them destiny, a predestiny, but are you going to choose happiness or are you going to choose misery? Mm -hmm. And maybe by changing the story or just changing our minds and the way we approach things could potentially be the answer. We don't know. So 
don't we shouldn't smite the fact that this this could be the, the way yeah you could see the capabilities of a bigger resilience um in mankind on its own and yeah and that's not to say that these demigods or whatever these portrayals of the Anunnaki is something that needs to be worshipped or anything or opposite or needs to be looked at yeah it's it's definitely not that it's about the fact that it kind of goes into more of a story that also kind of goes in line with the Bible as well. If if you want to look at it that way, that it there is this source creation being, and it shows this fractal patterning of this type of emergence of different civilizations and different beings and stuff like that. And it shows the fact that, you know, if you want to believe in the higher power source, God, that there is a constant interchanging and nobody can understand what, you know, nobody can sit there and and know definitively definitively of what this ultimate intelligent source God's wants, needs or expectations uh, are. You know what I mean? And therefore it releases you from this type of fear state of being like, oh, my God, I'm not doing this and I should be doing this. And like you we're constantly comparing ourselves to either certain other people or certain ways of being or our old selves and what we want to be. And it's like that comparison can get us trapped inside of our minds to be like, you know, I'm not doing it enough. I'm not worthy. I'm a piece of shit. I was going to say unworthiness is a big, big result of a lot of religions and it creates and it creates a lack of action. It creates a lack of, of, of feeling abundant wherever you are and are now. And you think you're far away from whatever you want. (laughs) Having that feeling will really keep you far away. Will actually keep you far away from what it is you desire in life and the happiness that you're searching for. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, let's say I'm going to hypothetically make myself a creator right now. And I make a little like civilization of things. I take, I somehow could take a planet and I can make things when I'm watching the planet grow if like if these things I consider my children because mm-hmm. we've all heard the term children of God right I want to see them be happy mm-hmm. and uh, if I haven't given them the straight answer like I'm making it a guessing game and it's supposed to be a game of faith and well I'm watching you and you have to one find out who I am by guessing or by scripture and I'm going to hide these certain things and I see my creation's not getting it yet or you know that it's uh, it's not really properly working like so many times we've had catastrophes and a lot of death and whatever i would be like ah, i don't think i want you know like i, I don't think he would want that of yeah. us i think he or she or it you know mm-hmm. the elohim yeah whatever you want to call it it's uh, like it's wanting it's wanting it's wanting its creation to lean on the fate of what god created like it's like it, it's it's just seeing the beauty, just seeing the beauty mm. of that it is right. and not falling into the trap of, you know, uh, I am this or it is this. And therefore, you know, yeah, you have the ability to define it, define certain things and everything, but that can stray away from the origin of or or even the reason behind things. And it's like, it's not that you have to understand exactly what the reason is behind a creation or something like that. It's just the fact of acknowledging the creation, acknowledging Mm -hmm. the the remarkable um, phenomenon that it is on its own and understanding that if that creation is possible, that anything is possible. And yeah, like you're saying, if if 
if you're like if you're taking it from the perspective of this Elohim or, or God or source and watching its children fall out of that appreciation for creation and therefore trying to uh, take it in their own direction and they're creating their own destiny, which they are going to do. It's like, uh, oh, OK, that's that's fine, too, I guess. But, you know, in maybe God's conscious mind or intelligence it's like god understands which way that's going to go but god also can know that at the end of the road at the end of their life or at the you know whatever it's going to lead to some sort of thing that's going to make them look back again right exactly Mm -hmm. and and see i one if we're children of god which we are right that means we're aspects of god and we are creators ourselves and there's a lot of teachings that are more recent in the past hundred years or so that, you know, a lot of self-help things and, you know, self-discovery books and, and all that claim that we create our own world and all that. And it's like if we're going by the past and its stories and we're still living living by that, don't you think we're going to repeat all mm-hmm. the things that those things have taught us? Like maybe it's time for us to evolve and God's sitting there going, okay, you already understood those morals and values. That was that age. That was that whatever. You understand creation. You understand to pay it adoration and love it like I love you. And okay, it's mutual. But then at the same time, it's like, well, everything is is a child of light. Everything is light and photons and and made of God, as mm-hmm. we would say, right? Because quantum physics yeah. says that. Like, everything is of source. Mm-hmm. Well, then wouldn't this mean that we have to love not only ourselves and our family and our loved ones, but even our enemies? Mm-hmm. And uh, and the fact is, is um, if we're smiting one another for beliefs and all that, we are not appreciating the life that was given to us and the other things that are in it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, to learn to appreciate everything and to love everything unconditionally, regardless if you preferred or not. Because that's like my favorite kind of twist on the whole thing is instead of saying I don't like something, mm-hmm. it's more just of a non-preference. Yeah. Um, you know, you learned this religion. Well, I don't really prefer to see it that way. I mm-hmm. respect it yeah. and I love you for it, you know. Good. Uh, If you're happy, I'm happy. And it's Mm -hmm. those simple philosophies that should be applied. Like it's more simple than what it is. And these ancient stories and all, they hold a lot of, you know, important factors and knowledge and stuff and uh, even the religions. But it's also, uh, I think, a a travesty and a sin Mm -hmm. to condemn and to separate from one another because we think a different image or different thought or different word. I I just, I find it very important that if you go back and understand the source of all things and you understand the the story, okay, but then to bring it to your present reality. And then how is this shifting you to be more of an enlightened and divine person and more loving and, and, and you know, uh, having that unconditional love reflect out into the world. And Age of Aquarius is known for yeah. knowing. Yeah. You know, knowing. It's and not when, about guessing anymore. It's yeah. knowing. And when you're looking at a lot of these uh, concepts or stories and stuff, you see how uh, they they really they always have some sort of aspect of the hero's journey, whether it's an actual being or mythology or whatever it may be. It always has this sort of. Um, interpretation as being the hero's journey which we see that a lot in the bible we see that a lot with movies. characters in different stories oh, every movies, show video dude, games every, everything yeah. and stuff which is funny because in later episodes in this series we're also going to show how the epic of Gil- uh, gilgamesh actually ties into all this as well oh it's a pa- basically a parallel to moses yes exactly and you know what's funny though because you also could look at it as the hero's journey 
is also a representation of of energy on its own. You know, there's and you know there's an accumulation of of abundance and conservation of this energy and stuff. But anything overdone, eventually, it has to fall apart and and be corrupted and destroyed in order to create a new rebirth. So that's something that'll go into it as well. Right. And so, um, you know, yes. I, it, we've, wow, we've approached an hour and 35 oh, minutes. Wow. Okay. Look at that. I mean, I mean, I know for a lot of podcasts, a lot of go, uh, you know, for two hours, mm-hmm. three hours, even yeah. four. Um, I, I, from my perspective, uh, I can only get so much of facts and all that before I start to trail. So we, we really do try and stick to say around between an hour and two mm-hmm. for you guys. And that's how we really have decided to break up a lot of our, um, a lot of our episodes. So um, I think we should really kind of to wrap it up for this one. And you guys at mm-hmm. least have an idea. You've heard some of the characters from the ancient Sumerian stories. Uh, it's not, you know, it's only the tippy top. We want to go deeper and deeper into it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and definitely get more, you know, elab- we, to elaborate more on the, you know, a lot of the moos and the oos and the ishes and all that. And yeah. really, um, we want to connect other religions and stuff and, and really break it down for you guys for the, you know, the parallels and why we would uh, want to dive deep into this. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd mentioned before I wanted to read just that yeah. tablet. Um, so, you know, over time, many of the ancient cuneiform records, they were the clay tablets, they were they were damaged or lost, right? So they left only fragments and, and clues today that could tell us uh, what occurred thousands of years ago. Um, but to read the compelling evidence, it directly uh, mentions the Anunnaki many, many times. And this first tablet of the, uh, it's the Atahasis, Atrahasis. So Atrahasis. The Atrahasis. Atrahasis. Yeah. Ah, okay. So the Atrahasis was tablets, you know, one of, I think the 14. Yeah. Okay. So this was, tablet one and we were talking about the mining for gold and the Anunnaki so this is from the tablet uh, when the gods instead of man did the work bore the loads the gods load was too great the work too hard the trouble too much they took and cast the lots the gods made the division and went up to the sky and Enlil took the earth for his people the bolt which bars the sea was assigned to farsighted Enki when Anu had gone up to the sky and the gods of the Apsu had gone below, the Anunnaki of the sky made the Ajiji bear the workload. And so I'll break that down for you real quick. So basically Enlil comes down and they have, they, they, they take their own people, their workers, their servants, mm-hmm. and they start mining the earth. So yeah. they've made the earth for his people mm-hmm. and they've come down with the Ajiji, which that's the workers mm-hmm. and they start mining. So uh, the Ajiji gods had to dig out canals, had to clear channels, uh, the lifelines of the land. For 3,600 years, uh, they bore the excess, hard work night and day. They groaned and blamed each other. Uh, Come, let us carry Enlil, the counselor of the gods, the warrior from his dwelling, and get him to relieve us from our hard work. Uh, Now, cry battle. So what that says and very weird translation by the way as i'm reading that it's very very odd but so the Ajiji seem to be getting frustrated yeah and they choose to after mining for 3600 years mm-hmm. they're like we're fed up yeah and they start to revolt they don't want to do it anymore so 
Let us mix fight with battle. The Ajiji set fire to their tools, put aside their spades for fire. They begin war. Uh, when they reach the gate of warrior Enlil's dwelling, because they're fighting Enlil because he was ruling the uh, that class and he came, he was their leader. Uh, it was night, the middle watch. Ikor was surrounded. Enlil had not realized. Uh, Enlil sent for Anu to be brought down to him. Enki was fetched into his presence. Anu, king of the sky, was present. Enki, king of the Apsu, attended. All the great Anunnaki were present. So basically, all this upheaval happened. And you have uh, Enlil who had sent for Anu, and Anu being the sky father, Mm -hmm. and saying, basically, hey, dad, these people are, you know, they're they're starting to revolt. What do I do? Um, And Enki was the one who had supposedly fetched for Anu. Mm -hmm. So the Ajiji declared, every single one of us declare war. We have put... uh, we have put a stop to the digging. The load is excessive. It is killing us. So like any normal people or beings going, hey, mm-hmm. we've worked and we're, we're freaking tired, dude. Yeah. We're done. Um, you get your own, you know, do the, do the work yourself. Mm-hmm. So Anu made his voice heard and spoke to the gods, his brothers. Um, what are we complaining of? Their work was indeed too hard. Their trouble was too much. Uh, Ia made his voice heard and spoke, let us create a mortal man so that he may bear the yoke, the work of Enlil. Let uh, let man bear the load of the gods. So right there they're saying, oh, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Well, our workers are done. They're spent. They've rebelled. So let's create another yeah. worker. You know, let's let's design something mm-hmm. then. Let's create a, a, a workforce for mm-hmm. ourselves. Um, maybe ones that aren't as free-thoughted yeah. or, you know, more self-aware mm-hmm. than this. So... Uh, Nintu made her voice heard and spoke on the first, seventh and 15th of the month. I shall make a purification by washing. Then one God should be slaughtered. Then a God and a man will be mixed together in clay. Let a ghost come into existence from the God's flesh and let the ghost exist. So as not to forget the slain God. And with all that, that's where in this next episode, we are going to fit further continue and we'll go into how even that idea really transpired and also came to Anki. And then also, you know, there's also stories of how it came to Enlil and then was passed to Anki as well. Um, And also the slaying of the God. There is somebody, uh, there is another character as far as that of who that slain person was or being was. And that's all yeah. stuff that's going to go further. Yep. And this leads to the DNA mm-hmm. and all that, which yes. is why I, I would I'd love to end this with that because uh, I figure, you know, we're, we're going to go into the DNA talk, chromosome mm-hmm. two and the scientific discoveries that there's a part of our DNA that seems to be fused yeah. uh, inorganically. Mm-hmm. And it would go right in line with the tablet one of the yes. uh, Atrahasis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Uh, so yeah, tablet one of the Atrahasis, it provides some of the the most detailed information we have, you know, for uh, for the origin of our story, you know, as well as actually the identity of the gods of Apsu uh, and who they really were. So we're going to definitely dive deeper into that, and uh, we'll have a lot more information following up. And uh, an hour and forty two minutes in, we totally appreciate the fact that you've made it this far, and uh, we're 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 doing our job and trying to keep it up, uh, keep up on all the research and information, so we can keep bringing you guys. Uh, more content. We're, we're going to have a lot more stuff on YouTube. We're going to have, uh, you know, plenty of more episodes. More on a consistent basis. Uh, we had hit a whole um, 
we hit a little bump in the road because mm-hmm. Gio had went to on a vacation, which mm-hmm. he deserved, and he was gone for a while. Mm-hmm. I got distracted by earthly <laughs> things, um, it, you know, to watch my football team wins important. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm not one of those people who was brainwashed by the media or by sports. I used to play mm-hmm. sports and all that, yeah. so I love it. So I took a little time off, but knowing that the rest of this year we're riding the wave and yeah. we're, we want to have content consistently mm-hmm. on most of the platforms that we have. Um, and we want to hear from you too. So if you have any topics or questions or things that you want us to talk about or reflect on, we totally want to hear you. So for now, email us, uh, join our Facebook group, go like our pages, go like on all our social media. Uh, you can DM us on Instagram if you'd like, you know, we're, we're kind we're pretty consistent with checking all of it daily. Yeah. So what, what, whatever way you choose, we'd like to hear from you. And, uh, we really, really, we, we respect all of your beliefs and all these things, but we truly appreciate the fact that you take the time to take these adventures with us and open up your mind. Uh, and that our intentions are clearly just pure, uh, curiosity and wanting to, you know, expose the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that being said, just stay tuned for the next part of this discussion. And, uh, as we further journey into this series, um, so much, so much information to be had. Uh, so we'll leave you off with that. Yeah. Yeah. Not as easy as we, you know, we think when we, when we oh, dive, yeah. it's not, it's, it's not. not, there's so much into go and what order should we tell you mm. guys things? It's not easy. Mm-mm. So, um, we'll get better as we go along. Yeah. I, I know that. So, uh, bear with us, mm-hmm. take what you can from our talks, keep joining us on these journeys. Yeah. And, and I promise you, we're going to all figure out the truth together and transcend yeah. all of this information. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like you said, reach out to us. If there's something that you are confused about or need further explanation, we could do that. All right. And let's, and let's have some discussions. So thank you all for tuning in. Um, like we said, make sure reach out to us, like share and follow our stuff. And uh, we'll be back very soon. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.